0: What's up, guys? Welcome back to the Safe, Sexy, and Tatted Podcast. Listen, your girl has been on a hiatus, <laughs> and I do not apologize for it, y'all. I have so much stuff that's going on, but I really did need to take a break to kind of get my mental space back together, had to take care of some business stuff, um, you know, family, personal things as well. But listen, we're back at it like we never left. Listen, I want to say thank you. Thank you for tuning in to the Say Sexy and Teddy podcast, where my goal is to bring souls to Christ, give people a good laugh as we, you know, discuss different topics help you be free from sin and also to actually spread the good news and the gospel of Jesus Christ and be an example of what Christ can and will do. And I plan to do that through my own personal life and journey. So look, thank you for tuning in. Thank you for subscribing. Thank you for sharing. Um, and if you haven't done so, what you doing? <laughs> like, let's get these numbers up. But listen, um, I want to... Um, kind of let you in on a little secret you know this week we got a special guest and I am so excited about him Um, I got to interview Mr. Deshaun Gray Um, he is a graduate of the University of Delaware where he obtained his degree in human services uh, with a concentration in human development and family studies he is a self employed motivational speaker and self enrichment coach look My guy literally teaches on topics like realistic motivation. And when I tell you, I absolutely enjoy this conversation. So guess what? I'm going to let you tune in to the conversation we had. Get these gems and these nuggets that we dropped on this episode. And just stay tuned because I may upload the video on my YouTube page. Look, you already know save sex and into the podcast it's your girl (laughs) adrian let's go all right guys what's up welcome back to another episode of the save sexy and teddy podcast i am your girl adrian and listen these last few weeks has been something amazing like god has really been doing his thing in me and i mean the inner me okay like he's healing he's growing me and you know I'm grateful. I'm very grateful. I'm not even going, you know, complain or anything like that because God does what he want to do, how he want to do it. And I'm just here for it all. But listen, y'all, you know, we've been talking about childhood traumas and healing the inner us and I have literally been able to talk to some amazing people here lately. And like today, I have another amazing guest on the show. Um, let me introduce you to him, first of all. I have the pleasure of getting to, of being able to speak to Deshaun Gray, okay? He is the product of two parents. You heard me, two parent, um, praying parents. He is a 2017 graduate of the University of Delaware, where he obtained his degree in human services with a specific concentration in human development and family studies. Deshaun is self-employed as a motivation speaker and am self-enrichment coach he teaches workshops and keynotes on the topic of realistic motivation. So what he does is keep it real so he can help us and give us applicable tools to help the everyday person. Like, he's my type of guy already because he's going to tell you what it is and let it be what what it's going to be, okay? And so, like, he has an amazing, amazing, background so i'm not going to like continue to read off his bio i'm gonna let him introduce himself and then we'll get to you know learn more of who he is and what he does and how he do it so they welcome to the say sex and Tatted podcast how are you
1: i am great thank you so much for having me on this is a true honor and pleasure
0: Absolutely, absolutely. Listen, it's my honor to be able to speak with someone that is a person that's thriving in the kingdom, that knows who they are as a person, and still is able to just say that, "Hey, life hasn't been easy for me, but I've made the best of it." Okay. That's right. So, listen, you told me that you have a favorite scripture. Let's go ahead, cause you know we're all God over here. We're a little ratchet, little hood, but we love the Lord too. Okay. That's right. Uh, (laughs) What's your favorite scripture right now?
1: uh, My favorite scripture is in Exodus. It's when Moses is talking with God and God is telling him what to do. And he tells God, he says, I'm not going forward without you. And it touches me and it really inspires me because if you only knew all the things that life throws at every individual person Mm -hmm. (laughs) without God's back and where would we be? How would we manage? How would we make it? How would we get through things? And so it's something that I carry in my spirit, understanding that the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. So I can't go anywhere that I uh, should be if God has not predestined me to do so.
0: Oh, so that's how you starting off the day.
1: Yeah, just sunlight, sunlight.
0: <laughs> Listen, let me tell you, when you started talking, I said, I feel like I'm back in my old primitive Baptist church. The mothers are rocking, saying, if it wasn't for the Lord on my side, That's right. <laughs> tell me, where would I be? Listen, first of all, I love that you use this analogy from Moses. Do you feel like you have the Moses anointing in you?
1: Uh, I, I have some anointing. <laughs> I'm not sure if it's the, the Moses anointing, but I do believe that God has breathed on me, that God has given me uh, discernment and insight, and that he has sent me down a particular pathway that um, is literally constructed just for me to fit through
0: absolutely I agree and it's funny that you even made reference to Moses because a few episodes back I told the listeners that I felt like there's a little bit of Moses in me because God has called all of us to do something in life right in this earth and for me I was like God you know my speech is not up to par or I don't speak as fluently as this person and you sure you called me because I'm sure somebody else that no, can no, no. handle this calling because I don't think i'm qualified Mm -hmm. and god had to remind me he was like adrian you're more than qualified to do what i've called you Mm. to do you got to learn to get out your own way
2: wow that's good
0: you know and so i just love the fact that we both are able to relate to moses and anybody that's out here listening if god has called you to do something let me tell you don't waste any time and don't be disobedient do it please go ahead and do it okay
1: hmm See, I'm the motivational speaker, but you're motivating me right now. Come on.
0: <laughs> you know, a motivator needs a motivator. It's something from right. time to time. People don't understand. That's like the strong friend needs mm-hmm. a strong friend. Yes. And so I try to be to others what I need somebody to be to me, because you never know when somebody else is going to be that person I, I need and so mm-hmm. you know I just try to get a love shed a love out here that's all I'm trying to do <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> so listen you said so you said that you came from two praying parents like how was that because I grew up in a single parent household like how was the dynamic of being in a household with two praying parents like how was that
1: it's very different. Let me, let me give you a little background so everybody can understand the breakdown of all of this. Okay. I'm I'm adopted. So my two praying mm-hmm. parents are my adoptive parents. Okay. So it, it's been a very interesting um, coming together in regards to the family dynamics and aspects. It's funny as a um, human service man, uh, major understanding human development and family studies, my upbringing was superb in the sense of how it came together as an adoptive child, because there are so many disconnects, so many questions, so much wondering, all those different things that can hinder the relationship building aspect. But when you throw prayer into things, it shifts things a little bit. And so growing up with two praying parents, regardless of the struggles that came about, the trouble that may have come, the discomfort, all of those different things, uh, there, there was something hovering over it that made it work. And that was prayer. And so every night, we're praying, we're going to church, we're going to Wednesday night prayer meetings, we're vacation Bible school, God is all around, all through, and it was not just a family that went to church, but we brought church home. Absolutely. And so it was not just watching people, you know, praise God in a sanctuary and then outside of church, I'm like, you're not the same person. Now, they were pretty consistent across the board. So that, that, that was a blessing for me.
0: I, I I I I'm not gonna touch on this, but you're stepping on some toes here. You, you, you know, uh, you, you ain't played church. Nah, and then, nah. You know what I'm saying? And that's something that even me as an adult, you know, we can go to church and the Lord is good and catch the Holy Ghost. It wasn't until I got older to understand that's not a, such a thing. But, mm-hmm. you know, we catch the Holy Ghost and come home and living in all types of hell. So mm-hmm. I value the fact that what you practice in church, you brought it home because mm-hmm. that's what the real test stars yes. is in the, inside the home. Mm-hmm. So I love the fact that this So with you saying that you were adopted, did you? How old were you when you found out that you were adopted?
1: So I, as early as I can remember, I've known the adoption process for me was actually quite interesting. Okay. So I was in foster care for about three years. I was officially adopted when I was three. Okay, but. I have known and communicated with all the adoptive families for them who had me prior to being adopted. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, staying in touch with them has been interesting because they literally have known me since I was a baby. And to even go back even more, my adoptive mother for a period of time raised my biological father. So they had somewhat, yeah, yeah, it's interesting, right? yeah. yeah. So that that was.
2: Wow.
1: Yeah. <laughs> and, and it's funny because I know I'm adopted. I know who my two biological parents are. Okay. Um, I don't have a relationship with either one of them. But each day I'm still learning more and more about how all these different connections have been weaved together. But I'm thankful I'm here.
0: Absolutely. I, and we're grateful for your adoptive parents stepping mm-hmm. in. So how, let me ask you this. Um, how many foster care homes were you in before you were actually adopted?
1: So from my understanding in regards to placement, I was only in one home, but placed with three other families. So I lucked out in a sense, because you can go to the big group homes, but as a baby, that's not really something that they do. So I was lucky to be placed. Um, I actually, the first time I was in was on a farm. Mm-hmm. Uh, I called on my, my grandma, Lucy, and Pop Up John. So like, I remember... <laughs> the animals and the smells and all of those different things. I have pictures out there with the horses as a baby. So that was kind of fun. Um, Then I went with another family in the inner city of Philadelphia. So, you know, I still, you know, interacted with that portion of the family. And then um, I was adopted and moved from Philadelphia to New Jersey for the first 16 years of my life.
0: Now, listen, listeners, if y'all have never had the pleasure of being on a farm, it's very interesting. My great aunt, I'll never uh, forget, I think I was like seven or eight, and they live in Athens, Alabama, which is like a city outside of the town that I live in, and um, they lived... Across from a railroad track, so it it to me this is not the country, this is not what I would consider rural area, but it was it was a neighborhood, I guess you would say, on one street and a couple of houses here and there, but she had chickens running all in the front yard, and you know they had the chicken coop in the back, and when I tell you that was the first time I had ever experienced that, because I'm from a big city, I'm from Atlanta, so I didn't you know I didn't get that pleasure of seeing those things, but. I learned that to appreciate those things because nothing is better than fresh produce products and all of that, you know? And so if y'all ain't never had that luxury, y'all are missing out okay (laughs) you are missing out and so i think that's a beautiful thing um being able to experience life on another venture um or just another aspect of things and you said and i i did not know this and i want to say something about this because i didn't know that your biological father was did you say taken care of or
1: yeah for a period of his life my so My adoptive mom has had multiple children that she's taken care of. Okay. happened to be one of them because she knew his family. So for a period of time, he couldn't be with his family. So she took him in, which is somewhat of a connection to how she knew I existed. And the beauty of my two praying parents is that I have a sister. Um, we, We share the same mother. And so when I'm sure most people understand in foster care, typically children are split up.
2: Mm-hmm. so
1: to um, make sure that we were not split up my two praying parents came together and said we're going to take them both in and so they adopted us both and my adopted dad already had two children of his own so we are one tightly blended family
0: to say the least mm-hmm. let me tell you I'm trying to hold back tears over here because um, I, I was not giving this information beforehand so I'm just looking at the bigger picture of everything and God is so intentional y'all because the thing is, he already knew what was going to happen um, before it even happened. You know, sometimes we look at foster care as a bad thing, but looking at your situation, listening to you, it's a beautiful thing because he still connected the dots.
2: Mm-hmm. You know, from is.
0: your biological father um, to your sister, and just even y'all being tightly knit. Like I love that. So, how was your relationship with your biological parents?
1: So it's it's an interesting one. Um, for the first 13 years of my life, I did not know or interact with either one of them. Um, my biological dad came into my life for about three years. Okay. Um, it, was, it was a very interesting experience. That's probably where I would say a lot of childhood trauma starts to seep in because uh, it was the first time I was introduced to inconsistency amongst authority figures. So my parents, my adoptive parents, if they say we're going to do something, we're going to do it. They say they're going to get something, they're going to get it and I hold true to those things. And that's a value that I carry within myself. Um, But having the experience with my biological dad coming into my life, uh, I got to have that experience of sitting on the steps (laughs) at 11 a.m. in the morning and literally hoping until about 1, 2 p.m. that that car is going to come around the corner and park inside. And, you know, what we said we were going to do was going to happen. I've had the experience of, you know, getting sneakers as an apology, and all of those different things. So
2: mm-hmm.
1: um, it, it was quite traumatic for a period of time. And then he disappeared again. And we haven't had any connection since then. So some people would say that's a loose end. But for me, it's just where I pick up and keep moving.
0: Absolutely. I love that. You know, a lot of us um, have dealt with some type of rejection from our childhood and people don't understand that that can mold and make us into the adults that we become but i'm grateful to have people in our lives that won't allow us to be in a i guess you could say a sunken place Mm -hmm. um they'll help us to kind of navigate our feelings and emotions and for me you know i mentor um, preteen and teen girls Mm -hmm. and not all of them have experienced childhood traumas like we have and what my goal is to never allow them to understand that but I think those that have you know sometimes it delays our our growing process and for me that was something that you know stepped me or kept me in a inconsistent place because my mom would oh I'm coming to get you or I'm gonna send you this and I never understood at that time because I, I didn't have a space where we could articulate or, you know, explore feelings. So it's not until I got into therapy and just really understanding what I experienced that those are some emotions that I was holding on to. And because I didn't know how to deal with it, it affected all my relationships coming into the future, you know? And so I'm grateful to even understand you. You're saying that even though he wasn't consistent and, you know, he tried to buy your little appearance, stop that, Like, let's deal with stuff. Stop trying to soothe over something and, you know, get a child what they want to make it all right. Cause that's not, that's not good. That's not the case. Okay.
1: Yeah. Items will never take the place of time. Say it again. Items will never take the place of time.
0: At all. Y'all like, it's very important because time is something you can't get back. Mm -hmm. And you don't want your child to say, well, all of my teenage years or my childhood years, my father was present, but he wasn't present. Mm -hmm. Or, you know, he didn't affirm me or he didn't spend time with me because kids remember this stuff. They do. (laughs) They remember. And then the thing is, these kids nowadays are so wise beyond. Now I thought I was wise.
1: Oh, they're brilliant. And they have access to so much quality information. You know, when we were growing up, we had access to, you know, goofy stuff and, you know,
0: encyclopedia something
1: they'll right. never understand right they, <laughs> up, they can literally google specifically what it is and you have forums like reddit you got all these different places where people can give their experience and experts can give their expertise mm-hmm. and they're able to take in all of that knowledge allow it to permeate their minds and then really think through things and so they they have a major advantage
0: You know, it's funny that you say that. I was talking to my girls about a month ago and I asked them, you know, just hypothetical questions. Um, And I said, what if I asked you to go to a certain location to pick up a certain thing for me, but I took your phone from you? Because Mm -hmm. here's the thing. These children don't ask questions, right? Because (laughs) they have everything they need in their hand. Mm
2: -hmm. And
0: they was like, well, if you hadn't taken my phone, I would just Google everything. And I was like, well, what about asking somebody that could have the answer? They was like, no, why would I do that? And right. for me, I didn't know that that's what they are these days.
1: And well, You know, something that I find interesting, like my, my guys that I talk to, my different students, there is a sense of independence mm-hmm. with being able to figure things out on your own with your phone and with Google, but we don't understand the dependency that we're putting on the phone. So though, outwardly, we feel independent when it comes to actually being able to do things, but we're quite dependent. And it's so funny how that how that works.
0: Yeah, let me tell you something. If you're not follow- following this man, <laughs> what are you waiting on? <laughs> because see, he on Instagram and I've been catching some of his stuff when I'm on there. And literally, he literally is a wealth of knowledge. So if you're not following him, Towards the end of this show, make sure you tune in so he can tell you how to follow him. But he that is so that is so rich, so rich that we become dependent on the phone. Oh my gosh. Listen. Okay, so listen, since you said that, and we're talking about the kids these days and how they're dependent on the phone, and you know, they want to be independent, but you still know they they need us because they Mm -hmm. don't know how to navigate.
2: Mm -hmm.
0: One of the things I've noticed with children these days, they're very big on. I want to verbalize how I feel. I want to communicate. I want, you know, I don't do disrespect. I don't care who it is. How would you say, going back, how are you disciplined and what um, spaces did your parents give you when it came to communicating your feelings and your thoughts?
1: So, expressing myself was not something that was major, was a major topic in the household. So, And I'll share some more information with you all. Okay, please do. (laughs) I I was not the most well behaved child Mm. growing up. So I, you know, I was suspended from school quite a bit. I've been expelled from three different schools, including a private school, um, in school suspension at-home suspension, detention, all the engines you could get. (laughs) All of them. All of them. And, you know, I was diagnosed with ADHD, with anger management issues. I was in a class where we could only have five people in our class for, like, the first eight years of my schooling. Um, We were out in a trailer in the back, like, just a bad class. That's literally what it was called. I remember those buildings. (laughs) And so... um, Yeah, I was seeing three different psychiatrists weekly at a period of time while I was on Ritalin. So that was really the time that I had to express myself in the house. It was like, prayer, you got to do better. Let's figure out how we can make this work. And just reaffirming me that it doesn't matter how much you misbehave, we're not sending you anywhere.
2: Mm -hmm.
1: And so um, I actually, I would say in terms of expressing myself, that was something that became self-taught. When I turned 13, from the age of 13 to 16, every day after school, I lived in Pensauken, New Jersey, and where I lived right around the corner, a six minute walk was the Pensauken Free Public Library. And every day after school and every day in the summer, I'm talking 365 days, unless they were closed because of snow, I was at the library reading. Oh, wow. And so I picked up books on communication. I'm reading fantasy novels, all types of different things. And my mind is just expanding with this information. And as I started to take in information, my behavior shifted. I got mentors who um, started feeding into me and taking the information from the mentors who showed me how to apply myself. And then all the information on the books that showed me how to use who I was to maneuver in life Mm -hmm. really shaped how I learned how to communicate. And so the way I communicate is very different from the average person because it's very meticulous and methodical in nature because I'm processing so so many different things. So it it was never a topic in the household, but it was something that was self-taught for me.
0: Absolutely. Listen, it sounds like you should have been in spelling bees or, you know. (laughs) I'm a horrible speller,
1: actually. They say genetics, though. I'm a horrible speller, actually. But they they say, yeah, they say it's genetics. So I blame them. But
0: (laughs) (laughs) he said i blame them
1: but i can read you a book
0: (laughs) okay listen i love that i love the fact that your willpower to change your thought process and the way that you communicate because for me i look back and it's like did i have that or you know was that culture cultured in my family because here's the thing i come from educators and i feel like i should be this person that articulates very well that knows all these words but for me i'm just being honest i was lazy I mean, I did well and I excelled in school, graduated top 20 in my high school. And so, but just looking back, I'm like, I could have applied a little more pressure in some areas of my life. But I love the fact that you were like, hey, I see this is an issue for me. Um, this is what I'm going to do to fix it. I'm gonna create a solution to a problem that I know I have. And I love that. And I want us to be able to be mentors to um, these children, especially you know, the generations that's coming up and let them know if you feel like something is wrong and you're not getting the results that you feel like maybe your parents should be stepping in and do, figure out how we're gonna go around it. Because there's always, I always say there's two ways skin Okay. So you have to be willing to put forth the way. So I put forth the work. excuse me, but I love, love that. Like, what is your favorite book or what are you currently reading right now?
1: Wow, oh, that's a good question. So I actually just finished a book called how to, um, think like successful people.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Amazing book. Okay. And, um, it's the first time in a while I sat down. I, I this year, I started getting up at 6 AM going to bed at 9 PM. And it's amazing how, better of a person you feel when you get a full night's rest mm-hmm.
2: <laughs> it's crazy
1: because i usually go to bed at like 4 a.m and then well, i'm back up for like 9 or 10 yeah. so i'm running on four or five hours of sleep but uh for the first time i sat down i read that book in its entirety cover to cover four hours straight through and yeah it's been a while since i've been able to do something like that
0: okay all right <laughs> superpowers
1: <laughs> so um that was the 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 most recent book, and it just talked about the different thought processes that you can have. Yeah. You know, group thinking, realistic thinking, creative thinking, all of those different things and how you can apply them to yourself. I would say um one of my favorite books, and this goes back to my childhood, um, it's actually a very interesting book. It's called The Game by Neil Strauss. Okay. I read this book once a year. So when I was growing up, I wanted to be hitch. That's, that's what I wanted to be. I don't know if any, if you've seen the movie, he, he was somewhat of a pickup artist, but he used it for good to help mm-hmm. guys who were silly, goofy, nerdy, to be able to talk to beautiful women. Mm-hmm. That's what I wanted to do. And I didn't realize at the time that my true goal was to help people communicate better, but that's all I, I thought. So, you know, I learned this thing called the game and how to talk to people and how to move in different arenas and whatnot. And that, that really, um, shaped my character in a sense okay and it was something that truly um led me down this very interesting path because now when I walk into a room there is a certain um degree of attention that myself garners without effort because of the information I have from these books that I have read and the game is probably one of my favorite books to date it's it's very interesting it's it's about a pickup artist who actually falls in love and none of his skills work
0: And you said the name of the book is The Game?
1: Yeah, by Neil Strauss.
0: Now that's not um sponsored, let y'all know that, but I do want (laughs) y'all to understand. I am not here trying to help the people because I'm probably gonna go get that book myself. Okay. I I appreciate that. Now I'm kind of turning a little bit, get to know you a little more. What are you currently listening to?
1: So I am a old head at heart. So um most of the time, like if you were to look through my Apple Music you're going to see the stylistics you're going to see marlin luther all of them um on the gospel side um you know you're going to hear the kurt franklins but you're also going to hear the blind boys of alabama like those those are my james canton spirituals that's where i'm at um if i would say mainstream my two favorite mainstream artists are bruno mars and kanye west okay Um, i love this new track that kanye is going down uh donda was a marvelous album um and bruno People disagree with me on this, but I do feel like he's like our generation's Michael Jackson. He can sing, he can dance, and he makes timeless music.
0: I can see that. I can see that. Yes. (laughs) yes because see michael jackson is gonna be always my all-time favorite like i grew up with him like you know i was that four-year-old with a cassette tape like i felt like i had a million dollars (laughs) but you know so but yes bruno mars is an excellent like he's everything i even just it seems like every time he puts something out it just continues to elevate Mm -hmm. you know what i'm saying like he never disappoints
1: he never disappoints like there are songs out here that i love that i didn't even know was him he he's like like the the Fred Hammond of RB. <laughs>
0: okay. And that's some weight on y'all. Okay. Right. That's <laughs> a, yeah, I'm gonna, I'm gonna leave it at that. I'm sorry. Okay, I'm getting a little silly now. So we know um what you're listening to. What listen, what is your favorite thing to do right now?
1: Running. I hate it but it is my favorite thing to do. Um, My best friend's in the Navy and one of the things he wants to do before he turns 30 is to run a marathon. So I am actually currently prepping to run a marathon. And while I don't like running, it has, as, as a motivational speaker, it has inspired me in some ways that I never thought. And I'm sure everybody out there who runs understands that when you are running, there is this little voice that is telling you to stop. <laughs> and you bargain with it, all right. I'm gonna run to the next tree. Or you tell yourself, somebody's chasing me, I gotta get there in 30 seconds, all these different things. Learning how to deal with that voice has helped me learn how to motivate myself a bit more in various areas of my life. So I've started to fall in love with running.
0: Absolutely. After this are now more power to you but i do I, I i do understand that voice that tells you hey enough is enough um mm-hmm. and i and, and even you said it helps to motivate you. you see it from a different aspect and you see things differently what is something that i guess you um have learned about yourself throughout this process of building up for a marathon
1: so one of the first things i had to learn when i started running because i could only run for like two minutes and then i was exhausted Mm-hmm. So I looked online. I'm trying to figure out why, and I ended up calling a friend who runs marathon. And she told me it's because my breathing was off. She said you don't know how to breathe properly. She said you have to breathe at a particular pace. And she said when you get the pace down, you'll be able to run longer. So
0: uh, <laughs> how do you figure this pa- how, how do you get the pace?
1: So there, you can breathe based off of your strides. So every three strides, you take a deep breath in. You inhale, exhale. Just like that, they have something called a 2-1 where, you know, and you breathe out, like there are so many different paces, but when I really sat down and thought about that thing, like I was like, man, like a lot of us are not being able to extend where we are trying to go in life, are not having the energy to put in all that effort because we're not pacing ourselves. Sometimes we want to rush and get things done, or sometimes we're taking too long to execute and we miss out. And so learning that proper pace is where it's at. And that 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 encouraged me right out the gate when she said it.
0: Let <laughs> me tell you something. Get out of my business, okay? <laughs> get out my because and and here's the thing because that's that's true. We're we want to get somewhere very quickly. We don't want to rest,
1: mm-hmm. and that's
0: me constantly going. And then it's like it's my timing, but then get upset when things don't happen because we go outside of God's timing.
2: Yep.
0: <laughs> what is it? It helped me explain, but I love that. I love that. And I never thought of it that way, but that was great to think of. It depends on you. You you get more endurance when you know how to breathe properly mm-hmm. and endure. No, <laughs> yes, it, it yeah. it be the
1: little things that just be going over. And then when you sit down and you really think about it, you're like everything that God has created and has allowed man to think of and to bring together, that there is some beauty of his character, of what he can do for us nestled in there and it's amazing
0: absolutely absolutely when god is in you and i mean just conversation to the i mean even to this to the breathing y'all god is he's in everything so don't listen don't 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 miss out because you're looking for the bigger picture because right. God works in the smallest ways, and that's what I'm so grateful for. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm gonna ask you probably maybe a couple more questions and we're gonna wrap this thing up. Okay. I, I
1: didn't want to finish. I, I didn't actually finish answering one of your questions. Oh, well, well, go ahead, go ahead. My biological parents. I didn't want to just talk about my biological dad and not mention my biological mother. Okay. So she also came into my life when I was 16. Okay. so I do recall, I think I was probably five or six and um, she had came over for Christmas one time.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: It's very different. I didn't really understand like who she was, but I remember seeing her there. And then um, when I turned 16, she uh, brought my sister and I and my um, adoptive mother, we met for lunch. And you know, she, she pretty much made her case. She was like, um, I know I wasn't there. I know I gave you guys up for adoption, but I did it because I knew that I was not ready to be a mother, all those different things. But now I would like to have the opportunity. And I will tell you, um, in regards to childhood trauma, the experience that I had with my biological dad was the first time, and you got to think about this, I am 16. Mm -hmm. And I experienced what I now know is burnout. Mm. Emotional burnout. At 16, I had no more emotional stamina left to give and so when she made her her case for you know wanting to get to know us and whatnot um i told my sister hey that's that's your mother you're a girl like i understand if you want to push for that go for it but as for me um it was that moment 16 i learned that i had to start guarding my own personal peace and I made a decision. It wasn't something that I was interested in. I'm very happy with my two praying parents Mm -hmm. (laughs) and Mm -hmm. um, trying to create those connections just was not something I had in me to give. And it's 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 carried me thus far because there are so many circumstances, situations and moments that I'm put into where people ask a lot of me. And and I know how to say no (laughs) for my good. Yeah, um, it's been very beneficial for me.
0: So, I mean, of course, now this has sparked up more questions. Um, so thank you for reminding me that we never did touch on that. Um, how, how did that affect your sister um, with your mom coming back in later saying, hey, you know, this is what it is. I couldn't take care of y'all, but I want a chance now.
1: So um, I do think my sister was much more impacted. I won't disclose like her exact um, things, but I know that um, a part of her wanted to protect me. So Mm -hmm. she's like, he doesn't want anything to do with you. I don't want anything to do with you. But I had to tell her, um, we are not tethered emotionally. Mm -hmm. So she has the right to try to start relationships. She has the right to, you know, want to go through it. Because think about this, when my biological dad came into the picture, her biological dad wasn't there. So Mm -hmm. she witnessed me try to bond with this man, although it was not successful. She had to see that. So I always want her to know that she has the right and the, you know, the freedom without any malice or discontentment from me to, um, go after and try to pursue that relationship if she's interested.
0: You know, um, this is touching me somewhere. (laughs) Let me get it together. Let me pull it back. Um, because you know my mother wasn't present right my Mm -hmm. dad um raised me as a single parent and I had people that um you know family members that stepped in and helped him and um I think for years I was like my mom is not present alcohol took over you know I think I felt like for years that she chose alcohol over me and so Mm -hmm. I got to a point where I was like I don't even want to be a mother Mm -hmm. and the reason I didn't want to be because I was afraid that I would turn out just like her. What if I have a daughter and I was in prison? I left her with her dad. And, you know, those things that started to resonate in my mind. And so Mm -hmm. just listening to you tell me the little bit about your sister, it's like, oh, this is hitting home because, Mm -hmm. you know, that's a childhood trauma that I have, um, I'm overcoming. I still have my moments. Um, And so for me, it's like, hey, you're not your mom. Mm -hmm. you know you you and your mom had the relationship you all had it wasn't the best but god is giving you a second chance so when you do have a daughter you're going to be an excellent mom because you know what it feels like that's right and so is your sister kind of in that same space kind of you know that's not me but eventually
1: yeah so so i have a niece my sister has a daughter okay You know, I love my niece. She's smart. She's five years old. Her birthday's Valentine's Day. So I love baby. <laughs> that's right. And um, my sister goes out of her way to be supportive. Yeah. And I know it's a result of knowing how it feels to know. Like, I, I don't think a lot of people understand this. When you are adopted or even if you are living in a household that's not like maybe you're living with your grandmother or your aunt or something like that, there are days where you wake up and you realize, man, the person who has brought me into this world is not present, maybe does not want me, I have no connection with. And then when you sit down and you really start to break that down in your mind and in your spirit, it can be quite disheartening. And so I know for a fact, my sister number wants my niece to have to deal with that.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Because that is something even now, as a 27 year old grown man doing my own things, there are still some mornings where you know I wake up and I'm just like, man like (laughs) this is my reality I don't I don't know my ethnicity I don't know you know my my great grandfather grandma like I don't know any of these people Mm -hmm. I I just know the people who are in my life that took me on as a responsibility that wasn't necessarily theirs to have to deal with
0: so talking with you it sounds like you kind of you're in tune with your identity Mm-hmm. There are some people that struggle with that. Yes. What is something you would, um, and it kind of goes to those that struggle with identity and even being in foster care or being adopted? What kind of encouragement would you give those people that may be struggling in this area with who they are?
1: There is a sense of creative freedom that comes with this space because you don't know, mm-hmm. you now have the right to make those choices. You know, if I grew up in a Haitian household, you know, I'm, I'm going to know a little Creole. I'm going to know what I'm supposed to like to eat, what I'm not supposed to like to eat. I, I ventured through life learning just really who Deshaun is. Yeah. Now, there there are you know, good and bad to both sides. You know, It's nice to know your heritage. It's nice to know your background. That is fulfilling. It gives you a sense of pride to be able to wave a flag or these different things. But it's also nice to be able to say, I like this and I'm going to create my own system. Because someday I hope to have a family where I can impart my likes, my dislikes, my traditions that I've decided to take on. And it also gives me the freedom to um, partake of other different <laughs> traditions because can't nobody say I'm not absolutely so I, I have the luxury of dabbling you know it's it's like a smorgasbord for me
0: sounds like being a free spirit just doing it yeah. going as you please and creating
1: you're a blank canvas and you know it's hard to accept that sometimes but own it if if you have found yourself in a position where you are not sure of who you are
0: mm-hmm. own that mm-hmm. and then go
1: become who you believe you are to be
0: be who you desire to be Because we're in a world with a lot of fakes, Mm -hmm. a lot of phonies, and then even we're being what other people want us to be. Right. And I love the fact that you can, you know, yes, like you said, you want to know who you, you know, who you're attached to, your background, your heritage, but being able to just go out here and create Mm-hmm. it's a beautiful thing because we come from a creator who's right. created come on everything y'all right and so like he made the sky he made the birds he made like everything and if you're anything like me I look like, I love nature so I love to look at the sunset and the sunrise and some days there's just like if you, depending on where you live looking at the horizon and just the colors itself it's like yo like I'm attached to somebody like i'm the daughter of somebody that created this so for those that may not understand you know who they are you could go out and create just as beautiful of a canvas as you want it's up to you Mm -hmm. and so i love that concept i love 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 that concept be who you want to be don't be what everybody else desire you to be that's boring yeah (laughs) <laughs> that is boring listen I love this I love this um so are you I think you said earlier that you and your biological kind of y'all are just where y'all are right now
1: no communication so I'm, I'm just living my life I'm sure as I continue to grow in my career and different things there are going to be moments where they may seek me out and yeah. then my biological mother though I stated my preference has still made a couple attempts um, I'm still trying to decipher within myself whether or not I feel that's disrespectful or if that's just her putting her effort in now. So, you know, still battling with those different things. And, you know, every day is, is a constant battle in that arena. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of people sleep on the fact that, yes, you grow from your childhood traumas and you sometimes manage to get over them so that you can function properly, but they are still something that follows you in a sense. And they pop up here and there. They're like weeds in my backyard. Like mm-hmm. we, we do all we can all year. We scrape them out. We spray them down. We try to get them to go. But lo and behold, next year when we step out, they're coming through the cracks. Absolutely. So, but you got to know how to deal with it and keep it pushing.
0: Okay. Now, listen, you must have like talked to my grandma Santa. because baby, that woman was a gardener. God rest her soul. But she, yeah, that mama. was her thing. <laughs> <laughs> so you so you understand it. And it's funny because I'm like, how did I get this? Like, I didn't say wake up one day and say, hey, I wanted a green thumb and I want to be interested in plants and stuff. But <laughs> that's the thing about God again, y'all. He knows he what we need and who we need to be for the earth. You know, we always talk about be the salt of the earth, but also we need to be the hands of the earth. You got to help people grow. Look. I, I feel like I'm gonna preach preacher. And that's not what I got on here to do today, okay? <laughs> but I, I I love this because um, sometimes coming on just to do a podcast, you know, talking to yourself, but when you get to dialogue with somebody, it's like, okay, God is pulling all these things out. And I'm like, soon as we get out, I'm going to journal because God is just dropping some amazing revelations right now, okay?
1: And I, and I like what you said. Like one of the things I try to, as a, as a self-reminder for myself is mm-hmm. when I think about the trauma by, I've endured when I think about my childhood, the trouble that I brought, all the, the bad things that have happened, I have to acknowledge the fact that somehow, way, God configured my life to put me with a particular set of parents
2: mm-hmm. at a
1: particular time in a particular location for me to endure particular things. And that can't be a coincidence. Like All of this has to be for a reason. And even if my struggles and my hardships were so somebody on this podcast or somebody who hears me on Instagram can resonate with my story and it helps them be a better person even if it's just one person that that is a great purpose to have
0: that's it that's been that's been a mindset of mine I don't care about the numbers as long as one hears what I have to say and it helps them I've done my job yep now I gotta find somebody else but I am
1: mean, one soul <laughs>
0: Listen, and I love that, and I guess what I would say, kind of ending, what would you tell somebody um, that still struggles with childhood traumas? What is something you would tell them to help encourage them in that space, to kind of help them just to come unstuck, I guess you could say?
1: I would tell them, don't waste your pain. Don't waste it. You have endured hardship. You've endured trauma. You've endured so many horrendous situations. How dare you allow it to consume you? How dare you allow it to happen and then try to forget about it? Don't waste the pain. Like, you've put in that, the work. You, you've dealt with it. Use it. Use it to set somebody else free. Use it to drive you. Use it. To uh, help you motivate other people, do not waste your pain. You've you've been afflicted with too much. You've dealt with so much. You've endured so much. Don't waste it. Utilize it. That's what I would tell
0: them. <laughs> yeah, that is so good because oftentimes. We try to hide behind the shame of what we've gone through, childhood traumas. I mean, whatever it is that you've gone through, we try to hide behind it because we want to come off as being this perfect person. Like we've never dealt with anything, but I'm learning and and it's okay because that's what God wanted to happen. He wanted to use that, perp, that, pain, that place of pain to become your purpose so that you can help somebody else overcome something you've already overcome there it is. Y'all, I, (laughs) when I tell you bless my soul today, sir, I am grateful for you first and foremost. Um, I pray that God does exceedingly and abundantly more than you can even imagine or think. Um, like I just pray that whoever comes into your life, that you Inspired them as much as you've inspired me, and those that are going to tune into this podcast, um, y'all, like y'all. If y'all know, like right now, it's taking everything in me to stay seated because this is this is a god divine connection. Um and that's all I want because we both are called in the earth to do something and we know that our purpose is bigger than us and so for us to sit down today and actually have a conversation to help free others and even myself. Thank you so much for this. I really appreciate it.
1: Thank you for having me. This has Absolutely. been a you, You've enriched me so. Thank you,
0: thank you. So <laughs> listen, be- before we get ready to, I'm sorry. Was you get ready to say something? Before we get ready to go, tell the people how they can follow you.
1: So it's very simple. My name is Deshawn Gray. D a e s h a w n g r a y. You can find me on TikTok, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter you name it, I'm there, first and last name, very simple. And I'm just here to um, spread realistic motivation. If I have two minutes just to really explain what that is for the people, um, there are a lot of people out here who tell you that, you, know, you gotta work 10 times harder than the next person, you gotta push past all of these different things. Um, I believe in a sense of realistic motive, motivation. The everyday person does not have the capacity to do some of those things. A single mom who's working, not getting off till 11 p.m., got to get up at 6 a.m. to get breakfast, get the kids out. She can't wake up three hours earlier than her competition. When would she sleep? And so I push a brand of realistic motivation, real applicable things that you can do to achieve your real life goals while you deal with your real life situations. Realistic motivation.
0: Listen, I love that. I, and, and I'm hoping that you've already coined that. <laughs> okay because i've never heard it broken down like that and i love that and so you heard him where to follow him what he does and how he does it and does it well okay if you're looking for more motivation from him realistic motivation follow my guy dashon gray he already told you where to go listen thank you so much y'all for tuning in to another episode of the say sexy and tatted podcast i am your girl adrian you already know what to do Tune in for the next episode. I love you so, so, so very much. Um, have a blessed day. Peace.